Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. They got the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code OPOPIE at manscaped.com. Are your Jets going to trade for Aaron? I don't. I don't know. What's Aaron going to do? Remember this, kids. A lot of people say that Aaron Rodgers is the best uh, quarterback in football. He won one Super Bowl, so they should tell Aaron Rodgers to knock it off. And make your stupid decision because there's a ton of people that are depending on his decision right now. Uh, and the Jets would want him for more than one year because they're going to have to give up something, I believe, right? Because that would be a trade. So the problem is the Jets are like, if you're only coming here for one year, bitch, then we're going to look elsewhere. Why are you so anti-Russia? Oh, you, you have to be kidding, right? You have to. You know what? You're going in timeout. You're going in timeout. After Russia. What's up, W man up there in Indiana? How are you, brother? Oh, my God. We got some of these people today. Russia isn't a bad actor. The U.S. is. Oh, <laughs> tears. Yeah, Russia, Russia. Okay. Putin is completely out of his mind, but, but we're the problem. Okay. We certainly have our own problems in America, but uh, Putin is a bad man. He's a bad man. We got a lot of uh, we got a lot of communist people that live in America, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, people from other countries. I'm talking born and bred in America, and they're now communists. There are people that like Putin over Biden. That's just that's just stupid. Like I like to say from time to time, you're trying too hard. You don't have to love Biden, but you got to at least like him over Putin. Who's winning the Stanley Cup this time? Oh, I have no idea. I. I I watched uh, very little hockey this year. I have no idea. I'll tell you one thing, though. I'm a fan of uh, the pitch clock in, in baseball, where they got to throw a pitch, what, every 20, 30 seconds, something like that. I don't know all the details, but they're basically saying on the average, it's uh, it's knocking down the length of these games by 20 minutes up to a half hour. Nothing worse than it's like a 2-1 count. And the pitcher is just fiddling about on the mound. Then the catcher stands up to itch his groin. Then the pitcher is fiddling about. He's looking at the guy in first base. Oh, I don't know what pitch to throw. He looks towards the dugout and they're doing sign language. And then the pitcher looks at the catcher. I don't know. He's telling me to throw a fastball. What do you think? Hold on, let's talk about it a little bit. And then the then the catcher gets up and runs to the mound, and they're like, then he walks back to the plate, itches his crotch again, gets into a crouching position, and then finally the pitcher throws a fastball. That's what took me out of baseball right there. So I'm a big fan of the uh the pitch clock, huge fan. That should bring in the, the young fans or keep the young fans because these young people, they're all about this bitch. 
everything's faster and quicker now, man. Because it's it's like the TikTok generation, man. Everything is just like. And that's why baseball had to do that, because they noticed over the years that their fan base was getting older and older and older and uh, that the young people aren't going to sit and invest four hours in a baseball game. So, look, you could continue the way you're you're going, but uh, you're not going to gain the young fans, which you need to keep uh, baseball, you know, strong. So you can pay these guys hundreds of millions of dollars. So you can spend hundreds of dollars per person just to go to a baseball game. Uh, imagine if Bill Hicks was still alive. Oh, my God. All the good ones always go, man. It's so weird how that happens. This world needs uh, or needed, because it ain't happening, uh, needed Bill Hicks. This world needed Patrice O'Neill. This world needed Chris Farley to be a goofball somewhere. We need Carlin back now. Yeah, Carlin would be another one. Oh, my God. Carlin would rip us apart, and we would deserve it. The brilliance of Carlin, there were people that he was ripping apart at his shows that didn't agree with his political stance that would laugh their effing asses off because he was that damn funny. And you just don't see that in comedy anymore. If you uh, don't line up with the comedian politically, then you don't laugh at all. I ain't laughing at your stuff. Hell no. Hey, oh, from England, off to uh, Miami next week. Any place you recommend? Love what you guys did, by the way. Big fans. Uh, what's up? I only went to Miami, I think, a couple times. I would suggest you go through a car wash and get a, a complete makeover. That's what I would suggest. Yes. Because, like, Miami has a way of making you look like, a, like an ogre. You know, back in the day when I had youth on my side, I would put myself at a solid seven- or eight. Yes, I would. And the point, and the only reason I'm saying this, then I went to Miami for the first time, and my seven or eight that I saw in my head dropped dramatically down to a four. There are so many beautiful people in Miami, you're going to get depressed. <laughs> so I, I suggest you look the best you possibly can. Turn off the live stream, get on a damn treadmill, get yourself in shape before you get to Miami because, boy, it's eye-opening. There are supermodels just wandering around wherever you go. It's crazy. Clapton or Harrison? Clapton's an a-hole. You got to go George Harrison every single time. And that poor George Harrison was, was pushed out of the process uh, in the Beatles. Oh, I know he got his songs in here and there, but... He was working on some masterpieces, and, and Paul, because Paul had to kind of be the, the boss. He had to kind of be the guy to make sure everybody uh, was working. Boy, I can relate to that. And there's George Harrison. He's handing in masterpieces, and, and, and Paul is just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then John Lennon's in the corner just making out with Yoko. He don't give a crap what George Harrison was doing. And then when the Beatles broke up, George Harrison put out an amazing album that could have been all Beatles songs. So I'll, I go and I love the fact that he's uh, or was very, very spiritual. And, and Clapton's just an a-hole. What's more likely, E.T.'s finally showing themselves to us or you? <laughs> See, that's funny. At least keep it funny. I uh, know, man, there's there's not there's just simply no reason for it. 
There's not enough money in the world. I, I don't even want to be in the same room as the guy. I, I, I literally haven't seen the guy since he got himself fired and then everyone blamed me. So I haven't seen him since that, where he was incredibly irresponsible and got his ass fired and then everyone blamed me. Somehow he tried to spin that on me. Uh, I haven't seen the guy since. Have not seen him in person, physically, since. And I think we're going on something like nine years. Oh, Pat Duffy. I also am enjoying the pitch uh, clock. Yes, players and pitchers will adjust, but it's a good thing. Nothing worse than a 10-minute at-bat in a meaningless game in April. Oh, I'm, I, I'm so happy you're for it, Pat Duffy. Um, yeah, I think it's going to bring a lot of people back to, uh, back to baseball. Absolutely. And supposedly more players than not like it. And they're, they're convinced it's just a matter of time when uh, Major League Baseball players and they play enough games using the pitch clock to get used to it. And then I think they think overwhelmingly the players themselves will like it. I found this yesterday, and I got to play it for you guys. So, Carl Ruiz, I forgot all about this video. I, I did put it on, on, on my stuff yesterday, but it's really quick. Carl brought in a giant chocolate bar and he was so excited and he had a, a meat cleaver and he was shaving the chocolate off this thing so everyone could have a taste and this is what happened i forgot all about this this day it's it's quick check this out carl how much does that cost a lot oh there you go no about i really need to know ready because i've never seen uh so much chocolate in my life an 11 pound bar basically isn't that cool that is great Put shooting it all over me. I've had better. Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm leaving. <laughs> don't, let Carl, like, don't let Carl have the cleaver, Paul. I kind of like Nestle's let crunch. Let me move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I just missed that guy. It was so easy with him. And we shared so many laughs like that. But I was, uh, I was searching around, and all of a sudden that popped up. I'm like, I forgot all about this. And I brought that damn uh, chocolate bar home, and we were having chocolate for forever. Da 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 da. Yeah, Carl's the man. Rest in peace, man. He uh, he made radio fun again. I just wish I had more time with him to do radio and to just be friends with. But uh, you know what you learn? You can't wish for stuff like that because it was never meant to be. What happened uh, was supposed to happen. And that's where everyone gets jammed up. Uh, Carl wasn't supposed to live a long life. I was with him for a, a few years there. And it was very obvious that Carl wasn't supposed to live a long life. So to sit here wishing he was still around, yeah, of course you could wish it. But, uh, but the reality is what it is. He was, he was going to live an amazing, fun quick life and he was going to uh touch a lot of people in a good way so i gotta get a new scooter but i'm bummed because uh someone's gonna just steal it immediately absolutely immediately because they're stealing e i mean they're stealing everything in new york now you want to know the latest scam you know um well i was live streaming from my car and i actually missed that it was fun i really enjoyed that but I had to move back into the garage because they stole my side view mirrors twice. 
and they're stealing um, catalytic converters all over the place. Um, so I finally had to move back into the garage. Okay. They stole your mirrors. Yeah, twice. Twice in like, uh, what was it? Like like two weeks. Not even. No, I, I had the new ones on there for uh, for a few days. So I'm back in the garage. That's not safe. Because the newest thing is New Yorkers in general, they, they don't have patience for, I mean, nothing. You think the people around you have no patience? This city, it's insane. People like this at a red light, they have their hand. Soon as that light turns green, they don't give the car a chance in front of you. As soon as they see green, they go immediately. It's that type of uh, mentality. Everyone is wound tight and, and ready to go. And if you're not moving along in the path, if you just stutter step in the path, they're yelling and screaming and beeping their horns at you. Okay? All right. When these people park their cars in garages, this is, the, this is unbelievable. They can't wait for the parking attendant anymore because the, these garages only have like two people on, on, on uh, working at one time. So they pull down the ramp. It's a good size ramp. You might, you might go down like 30 yards down a ramp and there's a line stop here, right? And uh, people can't wait for the attendant anymore because they're busy. They're busy New Yorkers trying to hustle, man. So they get out of the car with the car running. There are people now sneaking into the garages, yes, and taking the cars that are idling, waiting for the parking attendant to park them. It is happening right in this area. Not my particular garage, but right in this area. Yes. And some of them supposedly are wearing the uniform. And they know it doesn't take a rocket scientist. They know, all right, there's only two guys in this garage. Oh, both are... Both are uh, down in the basement parking cars right now, and they just casually pop out of wherever. They got the kind of uniform on, and they say, uh, good afternoon, thank you. The lady walks away if she still was in her car. And since she's gone, this guy is just pulling, <laughs> pulling the Land Rover right out of the garage and take it off. That's the new thing that is happening. Because I follow the local Instagram account, so I learned all this stuff. I was thinking about Pistol Pete yesterday for some reason. Any good stories of yours to share? J-O-12. Pistol Pete was, my, was one of my heroes growing up. Yes, I had heroes. And I, um, I followed his career. I, uh, I went to his basketball camp. I got his autograph. I got pictures with him. But the, the moment I'll never forget, never forget. I was upstate in the Catskills at a basketball camp, uh, Pistol Pete's basketball camp. I think it was Cutcher's. I think they rented the old Cutcher's joint. And I was so excited to be at basketball camp because, look, man, um, growing up, we truly didn't have a lot of money. I, and so when we were able to do anything like out of the ordinary like that, I, I was extremely excited. Uh, we never really went on vacation as, as a family when we were young. Um, so I don't even know, I don't even know where they got the money for this. Uh, maybe it wasn't a lot of money. Being a morning person my whole life, I'm up early. I can't wait. Day after day, I'm at this basketball camp. I can't wait. I'm at the Pistol Pete basketball camp. And other players would come for the day or whatever. And I'm shooting baskets on a court. The sun is coming up. There's a massive glare in this direction. 
massive. I remember like it was yesterday. I'm the only one on the court. I see this figure walking through the glare. And I'm like, who the hell is that? Who else is up this early? Because the sun is as low as it can be. Just just uh, hit the horizon. And this figure gets closer and closer. He's walking through the glare to the basketball court. And you got it. It was Pistol Pete Maravich. He puts his hands up like, give me the goddamn ball. I throw him the ball. I'm like, what? I'm just a kid from Long Island with the dream. And, uh, and he makes what would now be a NBA three-pointer. But back then, they didn't have three-pointers in the damn NBA. Next thing you know, I'm shooting with Pistol Pete. I, I would say it was, it, was, uh, it was an hour because our memories are stupid. Our memories aren't necessarily our memories, uh, if you want to really look into that. It's what you think you believe. Um, so when I look back at this, I'm like, I shot baskets with uh, Pistol Pete for like an hour. But the reality is it was probably for just a few minutes. He gave me a couple pointers. I, I don't even know what to say to this guy. He, he, he was absolutely my, uh, my hero. And then I remember almost exactly he says, all right, come on, kid. Let's go get some breakfast. And we walked off the court together. And I'm like, I'm just walking next to this guy, like, just, just starstruck. Think Chris Farley. Remember that time? <laughs> I, I was like that. And then quickly, after the court, he went one way, I went the other. And then other people noticed it was Pistol Pete. And every time he, he was, uh, quote, out in public at the camp, but he was pretty much out in public the entire time. You know, he was just getting bothered for pictures and autographs. So then he sort of had a little group next to him. But I remember it as this, me and Pistol Pete, Shot baskets as the sun was coming up at a basketball camp. I could have been more than 12, 13 years old. And I remember it as it was just me and him. Imagine there was 20 other people and I literally don't remember that. That's what I mean about your memories. But that's how I truly remember it. It absolutely happened. Um, but, you know, maybe the details after all these years are, are much different than the, uh, the reality of the moment. Who knows? When was the last time you played? Um... I shoot with my son a lot. He's really starting to get into basketball out of nowhere. So we go to the, you know, we just go to local courts around here. But I was playing at the gym I belong to up until about, literally, we're getting pickup games uh, with guys that were like 20 years younger than me. It was, you know, it was rough. I'm not going to lie to you. And I got a bad back, so it's hard to do that. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was still doing pickup games like five years ago, four years ago. So, but now I just shoot around with my son. Um, love it to this day. To me, it's very meditative. A lot of people think if you um, uh, if you meditate, you got to sit there with your your fingers like this and just like oh, but there's so many things in life that are very meditative, and and uh, shooting baskets for me is one of them. I could just take a basketball, find hopefully an empty court. It's it's heaven for me. And then shoot for like an hour and, and the time goes by like this and you and all of a sudden you're not thinking of anything and it just clears your brain, man. So, I mean, if you have something you love, it, it's, it really is as easy as that. There you go. See, everyone has it. It's Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu for me, brother. Marky Venuto. He gets it. He gets it. I hate the people that go, I just can't meditate. I just can't. Everyone can meditate. Everyone, you got to calm the, the, the quote voices in your head, but 
everyone could do it. And the easiest way to do it is find something you love doing and just start there. Why did you steal your name from Ron Howard? Let me let me get rid of this dummy. I hate the name Opie. Always have hated the name Opie. Uh, was born with the name Greg, G-R-E-G-G, because even my mom thought it was a dumb name. So she's like, well, as long as they don't call him Gregory, I guess it's okay. So she made sure I had the, the second G. Always wanted to ask my mom about that. You obviously, you obviously weren't all in with my name. Because then when people called me Gregory when I was younger, she would be like, ah, it's Greg, G-R-E-G-G. So I never liked my real name. And then this, uh, this girl, Julie Burt, uh, Bur oh my God, I'm starting to forget her last name. It doesn't matter because most likely no one will know this person. But uh, Julie, somewhere around the sixth grade, maybe seventh even, she, uh, she said, hey, kid, what's your name? I said, Greg. She goes, you need a nickname. Do you have any nicknames? I go, no. And then it was humiliating as she, the teacher was late that day for whatever reason. So she held court and made everyone uh, come up with nicknames for me. And it was like Will Robinson from Lost in Space. It was four eyes because I had the stupid glasses it would, then someone said, how about Eagle Eye? And then someone else said, uh, Howdy Doody. So as you can see, these names were terrible. And then she pointed at me and went, Opie. And then everyone laughed and laughed and laughed. And all these damn decades later, I'm still known as Opie, a name I never liked. <laughs> so I didn't steal it from anybody, you idiot. You're trying too hard. And the beauty of it is that uh, I ran into Ron Howard at a Starbucks. This will be about 10 years ago at this point. And um, he was fully aware of uh, who I was. I was living on 71st and Columbus Avenue. It was raining. I would run to the Starbucks on, uh, do I really have to go this local for the people? I think it was on 70th. It was like a block away. It was raining. I run in. There are three customers in there there's me so some dude and there's ron howard the original opie uh working up his coffee in the corner so he just got his coffee i walk in i see him i'm like oh my god i've never met him this is crazy and no one's here i could definitely say hi as i'm about to say hi the other this is a true story i think i told this on fallon the other guy in the Starbucks recognized me. He was a fan of Opie and Anthony. He goes, holy shit, I can't believe you're in this Starbucks. And I go, holy shit, you're not going to believe that the person I'm named after, Ron Howard, was right over there. He didn't care. He wanted a picture with me. He wanted to talk about Opie and Anthony. He just had my ear. And I'm listening to this guy, and I'm like, uh-huh. And then it's my turn, and I order two whatever's. Uh, coffees, whatever. And uh, I turn around, Ron Howard's gone. And this guy's still freaking out. I'm here. And I'm like, dude, I got to go. At this point, he got everything he needed. I go, I got I to I gotta meet Ron Howard. So I run out of the Starbucks and it's raining, scaffolding everywhere. I can't find Ron Howard. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So I go home. I tell my wife, it's only a block away. So I give her a coffee. I'm like, I can't believe this. 
and I didn't have a camera on me because I, I, I don't I don't think these were too good at that point. So I grab a I grab a camera. I go I, I got to go back out. I got to go. I, I I know there's a lost cause, but I got to. So I run back out. I run to the Starbucks, um, and I, I'm just looking around the area. I'm looking down the side streets. And across the street, under the scaffolding, Ron Howard's just hanging out. I think he's waiting out the rain. I'm like, perfect. So went to up to Ron Howard. I go, I don't know if you know who I am, but I'm named after you. And he goes, really, Ron? I'm like, <laughs> I go, no, Opie. And he goes, Opie from Opie and Anthony? Swear to God, he knew of the show. I go, yeah, man. He goes, oh, I've been hearing about you forever because, uh, you know, because uh, we share that name. And we had small talk, and he uh, he said, I heard of you guys. He didn't make it sound like he actually listened or anything like that. And I go, wow, man, it's, it was a, a pleasure meeting you, and we got a picture. Man, I got to post that picture. I don't even know where that is. It might be in storage. I did post it a, a while ago. If someone has it, if they could uh, send it to me, that'd be great. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years, he walked through the studio doors, and he was on our show. And he couldn't have been nicer. He was so cool. He was one of those guests that his appearance ended. He had to move on to something else. Uh, his people are trying to pull him out of the studio. But he hung and sat in that seat during one of our long monster commercial breaks because we were doing that well. Yes. And just shooting the shit. Just shooting the shit with us. And I shook hands with him. We took another picture. And, uh, and that was it. And he gave us a great a great day of radio. And it was uh, one of the few times I was, uh, I was, uh, I was absolutely uh, starstruck because people ask me about that. I got to remember the time I met Ron Howard, I was out of my mind starstruck because it was a name I got when I was like 12 or 13 and then used it uh, as a professional name. Uh, well, up until this day, I guess, although the people around me now, they don't really call me Opie. I don't really uh, reference myself as Opie that much. I like when people say, hi, GH. I like that. Could you tell me uh, what was the first incident that put your show on Stern's hate list? I could end with this. I got to go. Me and Anthony were working at WAF, the only station that really rocks. Uh, we were starting to make a name for ourselves. There was a story in the paper where Jeopardy didn't have um, minority uh, contestants. So we took that story and we ran with it and we did a little skit where we basically did Minority Jeopardy. And it was very edgy and probably something you really can't do these days. But it was based on a story in the newspaper. Somehow, well, Howard was uh, being syndicated to BCN, our, our competition up there. I guess it was his fans because I think our fans used to do the same shit for us. So I, I would assume it was one of his fans said, Howard, these guys up there at this radio station, WAF, the only station that really rocks, is ripping you off. And they sent him our bit. Our bit wasn't based, because then we learned, and may, or maybe we even knew. I, I honestly don't know, because it's hard for people to believe this, but I, I, I really wasn't a Howard Stern fan. I, did I listen to him from time to time, and was I entertained from time to time? Yes, 100%. But I wasn't a regular listener. He was doing a, a bit called Black Jeopardy. We weren't ripping him off. We, our bit was based on a story that was in uh, that was very current and local and in the paper. He got the bit, and then he ripped into us and basically said, "There's these guys up there in Boston ripping me off, Robin." You know, you know the bit. He's done a million dumb times to the point no one really believes him anymore. 
We had this program director. I won't mention him by name. He's taken enough abuse over the years. The program director, he uh, he grabs me. They were always grabbing me because I was perceived as this stupid boss. He grabs me. He goes, Howard's talking about you guys. I'm like, I know. Isn't this great? Because that's what you want. If you have enough confidence in your show and a much bigger show is talking about you, that's awesome. Because me and Anthony knew we could handle ourselves. We knew if... If we're getting a lot of attention from a bigger show, that's going to make people tune in our show. And we knew our content was good enough where we could turn some of these people onto our show. That's how it used to work in this business. So I'm like, isn't this great? This is what you you, you hope for, to grow an audience. Because no, this isn't good at all. This is not good at all. He was in a complete panic that Howard Stern was talking about us. Because then we wanted to like just go all in with it and like, hey, if he's talking about us, let's do more of this. Screw it. Let's go. This is not good. This is not good. And then he started demanding that me and Anthony stop talking about the incident of this minority Jeopardy thing that got on Howard Stern's radar and um, and not mention his name anymore because he couldn't handle it. He's like, this is not good. And I'm like, you're crazy. I always knew more than the program directors, and I know that's going to sound very cocky, but it's the truth. And I would sit there going, oh, my God, why are you making this so damn hard? This is perfect for us. I don't know how that I, – I think it just sort of faded away, and we got, we got into other bits and other other problems up there, <laughs> to be honest. I don't remember how it kind of faded away, but we never listened to this program director, so I, I would assume that we continue to find other ways to be just annoying towards Howard. But – Howard Stern said almost exactly, these guys are ripping me off up there in Boston. We're going to keep our eyes on them. And I'm like, thank you. And then, you know, the rest is history because then we moved to New York and boy, did he get to know who we were. But that, I believe, was the first time that we were on Howard Stern's radar. And, and we weren't ripping him off. We were doing a bit that was similar to his based on a, a news story that day in the paper. <laughs> 